Praise God. So how's everybody doing today? Sorry about my voice. All of a sudden my throat's really dry. Hey, all right, that's good. Some of you are doing good. Let's see if we could get the rest of us on board with that by the end. I want to pick back up on this uh, thing about our mouth. I still really believe God wants to anoint our lips. He wants to put a cold to our lips like he did Isaiah. We looked at that a few weeks ago. He wants to take the words that come out of our mouth and fill them with power, fill them with life. And he wants to transform the way we use our mouth. It's the most powerful weapon in all. You know, they say the pen is mightier than the sword. Well, the mouth is mightier than the pen. Watch some of those inspiring speeches sometimes. You know, how does, a, how does somebody get a group of soldiers to charge into the face of almost certain death? They give a speech. They give a rousing speech. You ever see the beginning of Patton, the, uh, the old movie with, uh, what's the guy's name? The, thank you, George S. Scott. He gives this inspiring speech. I don't know about you, but I watch that, and I'm ready to sign up. And, you know, Braveheart, when he's going back and forth in front of those guys, they're outnumbered five to one, and he inspires them. Hey, we can do this. The mouth is so powerful. With the opportunity that we have to bless the Lord first and bless the world into which we're sent is just tremendous. And there's been so much negative speech there's been so much hatred, there's been so much dissension, so many factions developing, so much, I mean, controversy over speech. It's just, it's something the enemy is trying to quelch right now. Do you know the, the plan of the enemy is always to silence the church because Jesus said, go into all the world and preach. He didn't say go into all the world and just be really good people. He tells us go into the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. There's good news just waiting to burst out of our mouths. And I believe God wants to just give us a fresh anointing for that. So, and, and some of it's going to involve retraining our mouths. How many of you, this is a real show of hands question, I'll put mine up first. How many of you have done your fair share of complaining since the election? How about since a year and a half before the election when we started our two years to flatten the curve? Right? There's been plenty of cause for complaining and the Lord convicted me a few months ago right after the election of the way I was using my mouth. And he said, son, I gave you a mouth so you could preach good news, not so you could complain about the thing that's the very need why you're preaching good news. And so he said, watch your mouth. And when I heard that growing up, that meant I just swore or I said something that I wasn't supposed to say. And that's, in part, that's what watch your mouth means. But I believe the Lord's eye is on our mouth, and he wants our eye to be on our mouth too, and he wants us to reuse our mouth, like to repurpose our mouth, to bring life and that more abundantly into the world in which we're sent. So Proverbs 18.21, everybody knows this. It's spoken of so often of late in the body of Christ. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. That's a powerful statement, and that's just, I don't know about you, if, if you read the Proverbs, it could be a little tricky for the Western mind, because the way they're organized doesn't really make sense. It's not like a, a chapter about this, about parenting, and then a chapter about our mouth, and then a chapter about money. It, it's just kind of scattered and broken up. And a lot of times you can read right over some of the Proverbs without really marinating in them without really soaking it in and really, this is one of those Proverbs to soak in for a little bit and say, wow, God, that's a powerful statement because we use our mouths very carelessly sometimes and the more we each talk, in, in the abundance of words, there is sin, one of the Proverbs says. The more we talk, the more likely we are to say something that we shouldn't have said. And, and when we watch our mouth, when we say, all right, look, if this instrument that's the primary tool for relationships, for connecting and for and doing life. 
is that powerful, then God, I need you to touch my lips. I need you to take, put a guard on these things and train me on the better use of it. So I'll share some things next week, but I want to, can I give you a quick homework assignment? I just did this for myself and I'll show you next week, but I wanted you to uh, get in on it. You know, you know word clouds, you know what word clouds are? If you put in a bunch of text into uh, a thing, it, it highlights the words that are used the most frequently, and those are really big letters. We did that for all the youth staff a couple of years ago, just to thank them. Um, I, I want to invite you to take, in youth especially, take the songs that you listen to the most, cut and paste the lyrics into a word cloud app. They're free online. There's a bunch of them. Just Google word cloud app. You can put all of those words, you could put like 10,000 words into it. See what words come up as the primary words that you fill in your mind with. What are the things, because Jesus said it, and we, we covered this, it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. The mouth doesn't make things up. This is just an instrument to express something that's inside. And, and it's whatever spills out of here was already inside. It doesn't just act on its own. You know, we, we joke around and we say, you know, oh man, my mouth just gets the better of me. No, it didn't. There's something in the heart already. And what we fill in our heart, that which fills us, flows from us. That's a rule of life that we get, cannot get away from. So anyway, more on that next week, but try that sometime. And I'll show you what my word cloud looks like. Um, it was, you'll, you'll probably guess what my favorite 10 worship songs are <laughs> when you see it. But it's a powerful thing to know. Because out of this, we're made in the image of God. How did God create everything? How did all things come into order and existence? God spoke and he said, let there be light. He didn't think the universe into existence. He didn't just wish the universe or will the universe into existence. He used his mouth, whatever God's mouth looks like, and he spoke it. And ever since, all the effects of what God said are still happening. There's still stars being created in the outer edge of the universe. Life is still reproducing itself because God blessed us. So here's what God did, right? Genesis 1, 22. God made all the animals and the birds and the fish. He filled the earth that he'd created for them on the fifth day. And he blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters. Fill the water. Go back one. Fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. He blessed them and it was so. And the, the seas are still teeming with life. The skies are still filled with birds. Thousands of years after God said that, it's all still happening. That's the power of the voice of the Lord. The power of the voice of the Lord went deep inside of us the day we were born again, and it brought life into a dead place. That, that's the power of the word of the Lord. He blessed Adam and Eve. He looked at them. He, he made the man and the woman, whether they'd already been separated out or they were still one literally yet, we don't know. But God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. He blessed them. Blessing them and giving them the ability to do what he was commanding them to do. I don't know, physically maybe something happened at that moment, but they now have the power to follow through on their purpose. 
Their purpose could now be fulfilled. That's what a blessing does. A blessing is a statement made by one who has authority to impart something to the one being blessed. So God in his authority looked at this man, this woman. He looked at all these creatures and he said, guess what? You're not going to be the only generation. I'm not going to keep creating new humans. I'm not going to keep creating new fish and new birds and new animals. You're going to do the creating now. I'm blessing you and I'm now giving you the ability to do something you did not have before. That's powerful. That's the power of a blessing. A blessing carries like a self-perpetuating authority to it and a power that lasts for generations. That's what blessings do. The words that come out of our mouth. You know, we say death and life are in the power of the tongue, and it's true, and we always think of that proverb in terms of be careful death doesn't come out of your mouth, and that's true. We do need to guard what comes out of our mouth. If you think of the most hurtful things in your life, all of us, however far back memory will serve you, you'll remember things that were said to you. You'll remember the names the kids used to call you. I can still conjure them up on, a, on the drop of a hat, the things they used to call me at the boys club where I grew up. The size of my ears provided all kinds of fodder for nicknames, and I was a little awkward and chubby and, and things, and I had all kinds of nicknames growing up. I can still remember them now. I'm no longer subject to them, praise God because he can heal all of that. And that's what we're going to do at the end of today's uh, time together in the word is uh, celebrating communion and break the curses that were spoken over all of us. I got good news for you. Life always conquers death in Christ. Life is more powerful than death. So if death and life are in the power of the tongue, guess what? If death was in the power of my tongue, life is all the more in the power of my tongue. Life can speak to the thing that got cursed and bring life back to it again. Death can be turned around. That's what we just celebrated. Not even a grave can hold that which is blessed by God. And so life is in the power of our tongue. Let's talk about that. Because the first thing that Adam did this is one of the most fascinating portions in the story in Genesis to me. Because here's the God of heaven and earth. This creates all kinds of theological arguments, and you'll see why in a minute. Because it says, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. That is a correct translation. You can compare 20 translations out of the Hebrew and they will always say that he brought them to the man to see what he would call them as if God didn't know till Adam did it. There I just stepped in it. I stepped on theological controversy right there behind the pulpit. I'm just reading the Bible. You can argue with Moses who wrote that scripture. But that's how he put it. It's as if God was kind of curious. I wonder what he's going to call that one. Why? Because he'd just given Adam authority over every living creature, right? To have authority over something, the first thing you do when you have authority is you decide what its name's going to be. What do parents do? The ultimate authority over a newborn child's life is invested in the power of parents. What's the first thing we do when they come out of that womb? We give them a name. We give them a name. That's going to be their label, literally their label. When somebody walks up to them for the rest of their lives, that's what they're going to be called. Naming something is a powerful thing. That's why we've got to be careful with it. I feel bad for the celebrity kids. You know, they get these weird names, like somebody was high when they made that name up. You know, that I feel bad for because the rest of their lives, that's going to be their name with that. But I hope all of us, when we're having children, all of you who have, who have uh, babies in the cooker right now, 
prayerfully consider, on the womb, excuse me, Brent, that's a more proper term, right? Prayerfully consider what you're going to call your children. We don't need to name our kids after fads or things like that. They, we need to be seeking. You know, my wife and I always ask with all six of our kids and the ones that aren't with us because they didn't make it to birth, we always ask the Lord, what's their name? What do you got written on that white stone in heaven? Revelation talks about the one who overcomes, he'll, he'll have a pure white stone with his own secret name known only in heaven. We ask the Lord, what's that name? Because we want to match that name with this identity in the earth. That's a powerful thing. I'll never forget, before I knew the Lord, I think I was a literature major in college when I discovered the meaning of my name. And I don't know if my mom named me because she liked the sound of it or uh, there might have been a relative, I don't remember, but Stephen. When I found out what the name Stephen means in the Greek, Stephanos, it means a crown. So Stephanos means a crowned one. Stephen, doesn't that make you feel a little bit better about who you are? I'm looking at Steve Stansfield, but he's, he's doing his job back there. Something came alive in me. I got excited about my name, and I started thinking a little bit better about myself. I was filled with self-loathing during that period of my life. I thought I was an absolute jerk. In a lot of ways, I was, <laughs> but I really believed that about myself. I heard my name was crowned one, and something came alive in me. The Lord was beginning to touch me. Stephen, you are not who you think you are. I sovereignly named you. Before you knew me, I called you by name. Mm. There's a power in that. And so when God said to Adam, here, I'm gonna bring all these animals in front of you, we didn't name them yet. We created them, they're, they're roaming to and fro. Some of them started doing their reproduce and multiplying thing, but you're gonna have authority over them, so why don't you give them a name? Whatever the man called a living creature, that became its name. So there are two different words used there, a little bit of Hebrew, is that okay? You love Hebrew, right? The whole Old Testament was written in Hebrew or Aramaic, Hebrew mostly. Whatever the man called it, kura, that literally means the tag, the label. This is something uh, when I, if I want to get your attention, if Paul is out working in the greenhouse somewhere and he's walking away from me and I don't feel like walking five miles across that gigantic, beautiful greenhouse they built, I'll call him and say, Paul, that's what called means. It's a name that others will use to get your attention. I'm calling you this. We were called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's this word. He called us by name and said, you are mine. That's the call. When we heard the call, do you know the word ecclesia means the called out? That's the word church, ecclesia, the called out ones. He called us, and when he called us by name, something came alive, and we turned and said, who, who is that? Who knows me? That's what the word called means. He, he named them. He, whatever man called it, that became its name. That's the word Shem, as in it's also one of the sons of Noah. Shem, the Semitic people. That word name, that word that we translate name, does in fact mean your, your tag, your label, but it means your glory, your identity. It means that you're one who has something that no one else has. That's a name. So you imagine there's Adam naming the animals and you know all the, they're all coming up to him and this, this thing comes all clunking. Ooh, wow, that's a monkey. Didn't, I mean, he didn't call him a monkey because they didn't speak English back then, but that, that one's a good name. You think monkey, what are you thinking about? Right, it's, its identity is wrapped up in its name. There's something about that word used to describe it that speaks to its identity. It's monkeying around and it just does that. Then, then, then comes the, 
what is this thing? It's got like a, a duck bill and it's got webbed feet. And it, I don't know what the duck bill platypus. Let's just call it that. I don't know what that one means. <laughs> just being goofy for a moment. Is that all right? But then comes this lion and it's majestic and it's, it's looking eye to eye with the man while walking on all fours. And the man looks at that and he's looking inside its identity and he calls it by its name. You're a lion. There, and and that, that name carries a weight to it that connects beautifully with the identity of that creature. The point is that the mouth, when the mouth blesses, when the mouth calls something by a name, we're releasing heaven's agenda and heaven's power into the life of the thing or the one being blessed. We're using the authority as those who have connection in heavenly places to be able to see things that are not as though they are. You know that most of the time when God gets a hold of somebody and he changes his name, Right, he gets a hold of Abram, which means exalted father. The man's 75 years old when God starts walking with him. And, and his name is Abram. He's walking with God for over a decade, 15 years. And then God comes back to him again and says, you know what, I'm going to give you a new name. Now for Abram and for most of us, we'd be thinking, good, because it's really awkward to be this old and have no kids and be called the exalted father. All I got is a bunch of servants and I got wealth and all of that. God said, no. Now I have something different in mind. I'm going to call you Abraham, which means father of a great multitude. How about that? I know you're like 85 and you have no, or 90 by now, and you have no kids, but let's go with father of a great multitude. That's seeing what's inside of the man before it shows up on the outside. That's the power of a spoken blessing. God does that, and he's given us the authority on our mouth to do the same thing. And that's why it's so important that we view the world around us, we view the people around us, we view life with spiritual eyes, or else we're going to curse that which God has blessed. We're going to look at a dead womb and call it that. We're going to say, oh, it's hopeless. That's a situation that, you know, it's too late now. We're going to have to find another agenda, God's plan for that life. That's over with, and heaven breaks in on the scene. Says, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What, 90 years old to give birth? Are you kidding me? I just made everything from nothing. I just said, let there be, and boop, there it was. You think a 90-year-old woman can't have a baby? Come on. So out of his mouth, God spoke, and out of our mouth, we have the same capacity, which is why blessing comes with power to those who are really tapped into and tuned into heaven's agenda. We have got to be in touch with heavenly places. You know what the, I think the most, most words that spill out, they're neither death nor life, they're just boring, wasted words. Can I pick on us a little bit? Because I'm guilty of it too. I'm not stepping on anybody's toes that mine aren't included. How much time do we spend talking about sports? Guys. Now the women are going to be like, oh, what's he going to say about us? Maybe I'll say nothing because they're only a week out from Mother's Day. Maybe I'll give you a break <laughs> on this one. Think about the things. What, what do we use our mouth to talk about? Is it worthwhile? Is it noble? Is it pure? Is it worthy? Is it a good use of this thing that literally has the power of creation in it? Is it a worthwhile use for that thing? Because this thing, we have the capacity to call things and they become what we call them. You think of the things that you called over and over again. 
the thing that you hear over and over again. I mean, there are those moments where one time somebody calls you something, but usually that doesn't affect you as much as the thing you keep hearing over and over and over again. You're stupid. You'll never amount to anything. You, you shouldn't go to college because you'll fail anyway. You know, you, you're terrible at sports. You don't fit in. You're ugly. You're fat. Whatever. Fill in the blank on whatever the words have been. One time they don't really hit, but it's the words that get spoken over and over again like seeds sown into a very fertile soil. That's what our childhood young years are like. And the more seed that gets in there, we become that which we've been named. Again, I got good news for you. All of that curse has already been crucified and we're gonna take action on that in just a few minutes. So God gave authority to Aaron, the high priest, to bless the people of God. And he said, this is what I want you to say. Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. When you say to them, you shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. Think of this, twice a day at least, at the morning and evening sacrifice, probably more often than that, the high priest, on God's behalf, was speaking words which were heaven-born over the people of God. You want to know why the people of God are still blessed to this day? why they still prosper, why they still have their culture. The Hebrews are the oldest surviving culture in all civilization. The oldest surviving nation still going by the name they had when they were founded. The only nation on earth. Every other nation is no longer named what they were at the beginning of time. No such thing as Babylon anymore. It's Iraq. It's, you know, there's no such thing. Only the Hebrews, only Israel has kept its name. Why? because they heard this spoken, because somebody took authority in the earth to proclaim this over them every day of their existence. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You shall invoke my name like that on the sons of Israel and I then will bless them. As if to say, Aaron, I am giving you as my priest in the earth, you now have the authority on my behalf to bless the people of God. The converse may also be true. Then I will bless them indicates maybe if you don't, in your authority, speak these words in the earth, then you've cut off my blessing toward my people. You are now my instrument, thus I will bless them. I will bless them then when you say these words. That's powerful, that is authority. That is something that he gave to the priest of old and it's something that he's given to every one of us in this day. We just spoke the most ancient blessing. The thing that Jesus taught us to pray is a blessing in the middle of the prayer. Kingdom of heaven come, kingdom of God come, will of God be. That's a blessing. And I urge you, I know I stopped praying the Lord's Prayer when I came to Christ because I had it memorized and it lost its meaning. Now when I read it, now when I pray it, something comes alive because I get it. And now I understand that's a prayer of authority. There's a reason why the Son of God boiled down his entire prayer life to that 30-second prayer, because it has power in it. A blessing is not making a request known to God. It is a prophetic impartation of something that represents God's desire. So um, my favorite moment at weddings, two favorite moments, are watching the groom's face when the bride comes down the aisle, and now, when a couple will permit it, 
when the parents speak a blessing over them. You know, you have that moment where the father of the bride walks his baby girl down and they're all crying and he gets up there. Who gives this woman to be married to this man? Her mother and I do. Most men can't remember that one simple line, by the way. It's so funny. You want that on a cue card? Because it's just a blubbery mess, you know. But now I've asked couples, especially when they have families in Christ, prepare a blessing. Speak God's intention over them for their marriage. Let all the world know right now, not only that you tacitly agree with this, eh, what do you want, I walked her down the aisle, but actually speak it. Take the authority that God gave you as mom and dad and proclaim that over their lives and get them started, get them off to a good start. Because by the way, this is goodbye. This is leaving Cleve now. So give them their spiritual inheritance right now on the spot. Most powerful moments in most all the weddings I've done since we started doing that. And by the way, still to this date, this is a competition for all you dads whose daughters and sons haven't been married yet. The most powerful blessing I ever heard spoke was through a drunk pagan. He got it. He got it. Oh my goodness, it was so powerful. I don't think he understood the God that he was speaking on behalf of, but the authority that God gave him was there, and when he spoke it, I'm telling you, I was, I was a mess. Even in this moment, I could tap into that. It's powerful. Why? Because he had authority as a father to impart something to his daughter and to her new son, uh, his new son-in-law, <laughs> new husband, not son. That's a prophetic impartation. It represents God's desire, knowing the heart of God, being continually filled with his word is a way to keep the blessing, uh, keep, keep the power, keep the, uh, the power in our blessing. So I'm gonna skip over this. I was gonna read it to you, but I'll sum it up. You know that whole shenanigans that happened when Isaac was ready to pass on his blessing to his sons? Esau slightly made it out of the womb first before Jacob. Jacob was grabbing onto his heel, his nature already there in the beginning, and, that, and they named him appropriately. They named both of the sons the right way. So there's Jacob all of his life striving for the blessing of God, which God had spoken to Rebekah, by the way, before uh, he was born. Two nations are contending in your womb, and the younger or the older will serve the younger. God already prophetically spoke. For some reason, Isaac either forgot that or he ignored it. We don't know. But he was supposed to bless Jacob. Well, Jacob wasn't having anything of it, and neither was Rebekah. God bless her. She's the prototype for the Jewish mother. You think the sons of Zebedee's mama, Mama Zebedee had something going on? She learned it from Rebekah. Oh, I'm going to make sure that my son gets his. You, 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 you're not going to cheat my son out of what God said. So she did that whole manipulation thing. Isaac blessed him. Just, just fathom that for a moment, by the way. This man was so old, his eyes so tired, and he was so confused in his mind that his two sons, they were, they were in their 40s by this point, by the way, maybe 50s, he didn't even recognize his own son. Now you better believe, because he, he, if you read the story there in Genesis 27, he asked, who are you? Because <laughs> he knew Jacob. And even trying and testing Jacob couldn't discern that that was Jacob, not Esau. The blessing of God and the future of the nations was locked up in a, can I dare I say it, a senile old man. A man who was so beyond physical capacity that he couldn't even recognize his, the false son in front of him. And yet, the entire future of the earth, the future of the promise of God for a Messiah, the future of the blessing given to the sons of Israel are all within his mouth. So he spoke the blessing over Jacob. Esau comes in a little while later. As soon as 
Isaac starts to figure out what's going on. It said he started trembling. He was so mad. Jacob did it again. And, and Esau said, didn't you save anything for me? And, and you would think, all right, I mean, in our contract-driven day, right, that's my last will and testament. Well, I'm not dead yet, so I'm going to change that. I, I know I said that to Jacob, but I meant to bless Esau. So no, Jacob, you can't have all that, all the stuff, all the leadership, all the anointing for the generations. Nope, I got the wrong son. I'm taking it back and giving it to Esau. No, he could not do that. Such is the power of a blessing. It was spoken, and Jacob said, there's nothing I can do about it. I cannot take it back. All I can do to you is confirm that you're going to serve your brother. Your children are going to serve his children. You're going to be the least in this family from here on out. God sovereignly worked it all out, but I'm just making that point. That's the power in a blessing. That's, that's how much authority and how much interest God puts into it. So let's flip ahead for a moment, and I'm going to, um, with, with curses, once pronounced, they carry a life of their own, right? The words that people have said, they stay with us for a long time. They, they do, but so is a blessing once it's spoken. It was so powerful that Jacob got to keep that blessing even when everybody figured out his trickery. It was his to keep now. So the good news is that every curse can be overpowered by a blessing, but you know it never works the other way around. Death can't conquer life. Jesus cannot die again. He gave up his life once, living now. His resurrected body is not subject to death, so it will be with us. He cannot die. Death cannot overpower life any more than darkness can overcome light. If you turn on the lights in the room, they always win. They do. Don't test it and flick the lights on and off. The light always overcomes darkness. Heat always overcomes cold, which is the natural state of things. Life always conquers death. It's the order of things the way God made it to be. And so the words of blessing are far more powerful in our lives than the curses that have been spoken. So I'm going to invite you to take a moment as we get our communion elements um, to think what curses have been spoken over you and over your life. And what I'm going to ask you to do is to go to the front or the back. There's communion elements up here and in the back. And um, I'd like you to gather in groups of four or five and just circle up. Um, so go ahead and do that. Find some people that you feel comfortable with. Um, fathers and mothers, would you please make sure that there's one of you in most all the groups because there is going to be some blessing happening in these groups. I want to make sure that there's somebody there who's practiced in the skill of blessing. So go ahead and get those things. Steve, would you put on some background music or something just for a minute while everybody gets their elements? While you're getting there, rather than uh, talk, just try to find a group, but um, think about what curses have been spoken over you in your life. Yes, you can all celebrate. It's real juice today. The prefab cups are history. elements in the back too if you're waiting too long for the ones up front there's only a small handful that went to the back do that and then find a group of four or five you don't have to talk to each other just kind of circle up and 
hillside and maybe you come from another tradition, I want to let you know that we believe that whosoever will is welcome at the Lord's table. That if you believe and you want right now to receive of the life of God, there are no hoops that you have to jump through. You don't have to have measured up to a level of spiritual perfection. Jesus wants to meet you and minister to you right where you're at right now. pretty near wrapped up now. So I want to ask you to call to mind now. What are those curses that have been spoken over you? What are some of those hurtful things that have been said that you've carried with you, maybe even as far back as your childhood? Bring those up to mind. They shouldn't be hard, especially if they still occupy your thoughts, if they do affect your life. You'll know what those things are. You'll want to be able to be in a circle so you could look at each other for this. I just want to exhort you for a minute. Did you know that every one of those words has been nailed to a cross? Did you know that every curse, you know, I'm talking about the power of blessing, speaking heaven's agenda over your life. Do you know that hell has an agenda for your life too? Did you know that hell has desires for you and wants to see a certain future for you? That's what we call a curse. The words that get spoken that represent the agenda of darkness is exactly what a curse means. So what things have been spoken to you that represent hell's agenda, that's a curse. I got good news for you. All of the curse was nailed to a cross 2,000 years ago. There's not a word that's ever been said in the past, not a word that's ever been said in the future that wasn't crucified in Christ. Just like there wasn't a sin that's ever been done in the past, and none of our sins that happened in the future were not already nailed on that cross. It's all right there at Calvary. And so here's some truth for you. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been a curse for us, become a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to all the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What's the blessing of Abraham? Go to the land which I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And then you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And because of you or in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That blessing belongs to us right now in the cross. Paul said it like this. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? This is a sharing in the blood of Christ, and this is a cup of blessing that we partake of. So take that bread in your hand, and I want to invite you to call to mind those names, those curses that were spoken over you. Some of them came through the careless words of people that you loved. They were angry, they they let their mouth slip, and they spoke words that they didn't even mean. They spoke it in the heat of anger, but they hurt anyway, didn't they? And they stuck all the more because there's somebody you loved and trusted. Maybe they were words on purpose. Somebody just really had it in for you, became a mouthpiece for hell's agenda. Whatever those are right now, can you just take a moment and pray for each other? 
bless each other and declare heaven's agenda over one another. You're in Christ. You are sanctified. You are holy. You have been made perfect. You look just like Jesus. You have the mind of Christ, the most brilliant mind that ever lived. You right now have the spirit of perfection inside of you. We receive the words of life spoken from heavenly places right now as we take this your body of which we are members. We are members of the most beautiful creature in all of the universe, Christ himself. Everything that's said about the beauty of the Lord applies to you. Everything that's said about the holiness of Christ applies to you. This unleavened bread, which represents perfection, sinless perfection, is who you are in Christ. We right now take this bread and proclaim right now every curse right now. You are nailed to the cross represented by the body in this bread. You are crucified with Christ. You have no life. You have no authority. You have no power any longer. You will now fall to the ground. You will have no territory in my mind. You'll have no space in my heart. You will not build a kingdom in the life that's now given over to the Lord Jesus Christ. We say right now, this is the promised land. My life, my body, my soul, my spirit is the promised land in which God will make his name to dwell. I am a saint, not a sinner. Let's partake of that blood, this bread together. blessing which we now bless did you catch that the cup of blessing which we bless Jesus gave us each the authority to speak to this cup of blessing and say you will have the life of Christ in you right now we're not going to do a religious ritual we bless this cup and say you will now have the authority of all the blood of Jesus contained in this cup not doing a ritual. We're going to receive of the life of the Spirit right now because this cup of covenant belongs to us. This cup which we bless, we are sharing in the blood of Christ. This blood will now wash us white as snow. This blood right now, which ran down from Calvary, now will have the power to heal, the power to mend every broken heart. This blood now has the power to wash away all the pain of our Father's house. This blood has the capacity and the ability right now to make me holy as the one I am in is holy. This blood has the power to bring joy from mourning, beauty instead of ashes, praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. As we partake of this blood, we bless this cup say, fill me as a member of the body of Christ with all the fullness of Christ. We take this cup right now, Jesus, and receive all of the blessing that's ours that you purchased on that cross. Amen.
couple of moments to pray for anybody in the group maybe came in here today with any kind of heaviness or any kind of issue that you're carrying. You don't need to share a long, detailed explanation of what the issue is. I'd rather see the, if there's going to be any lengthiness, let it be a lengthiness of blessing. Speak into that thing, the truth of God's word, and minister to that brother or sister in Christ, whatever it is that they need from heaven. When you finish with that, our meeting is finished. God bless you as you go about your week. Let's take a few moments and just love on one another in Christ.